community. Yep. Lord, I lift your name on Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show away from the earth to the cross. My death to be from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My death to be from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. You guys can be seated. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. In the foundation, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven, his eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked, and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain snares. Fire and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will behold his face. Let's pray. Lord, as we live and move and work in this world, let us be strengthened and reminded that you are good and your mercy lasts forever. And no matter what we confront, no matter what may befall us, that your hand has not forsaken and your power has not forgotten us. And that as we walk, strengthened by your spirit, we can walk faithfully. We can honor and praise you in all that we are because of all that you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the Lord God. Who was and is and is to come. 
Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Father in heaven, now we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises as your people declare your mighty works blessed be the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come blessed be the lord god almighty who reign forevermore. It should be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reign Father in heaven, now we love you. We lift your name in all the earth. May your kingdom be established in our praises. As your people declare your mighty works, blessed be the Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, who reigns forevermore, who reigns Good morning. Ooh, that came from like all corners. We are small, but we are mighty this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's the quality. There you go. Um, just a couple of things. Reminder, next Sunday, we're having lunch after the service. So we're going to be getting some chicken from Schnucks and having that. So bring a dish that people can share. So bring something. I'm not even going to tell you what to bring. I don't care what you bring. Just bring something good and bring enough to share with the other children. and. We'll enjoy and we'll have lunch after the service. Sound good? 
All right. And just so you know, in case I forget to remind you periodically, this is going to be the goal, like, last Sunday of every month. We're getting back to having life again and actually, you know, doing stuff. So, um, tomorrow evening we'll have a, a funeral, a visitation and a funeral for Daryl's nephew. So that will be here tomorrow. Uh, visitation's at 4, and funeral will be following that at 5 o'clock. So if you'd like to attend either one of those, you have been told. So all the details are now given. Um, updates on a couple of folks. Um, Elizabeth uh, spoke to Elizabeth this week, and this was the week she was planning on making it down here. And then her son's car broke down, so he needs to borrow hers. And then she was looking at the weather, and she doesn't want to be driving, driving, trying to drive back to Wisconsin and if it's snowing. And so she goes, next Sunday. I'm coming next Sunday. I told her to bring a dish, so she knows. So um, Sam and Shelby are kind of in the same boat. Every time you think you're going to get out and about, because it, it's finally warming up, it snows again. And have you noticed we have done that every Sunday? It actually starts to get nice about Thursday or Friday, and then Sunday is when it gets bitterly cold or the snow comes. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you. So we did this years ago. Cameron and I were in North Carolina. It snowed every Wednesday for a month. And it only snowed on Wednesdays that winter. But it was on every Wednesday. I'm like, I'm getting tired of shoveling stuff on Thursdays. Mm. <laughs> but instead, we're in a weather pattern where it is apparently Sundays. Everything is Sunday. So although I think I saw we're actually going to hit above freezing for the first time in 18 mm. days. 34, that's, I'm telling you, bathing suits, uh, Clark's threatening to buy a Speedo, it's going to be a good time. Shorts, <laughs> going to wear shorts. There you go. Um, and it's, there you go, and a tank top. <sighs> Such fun. So, yeah, again, just a reminder. Oh, a couple of other things. Um, 80 has had his first dose of the vaccine. He'll go for his second, um, the first, with the first Tuesday in March. So that's the, the second of March. Yeah, March 2nd. Um, had a slight headache for, with the first one. He's already being, he's already preparing himself that the second one's probably gonna be a little bit worse than that. His doctor that told that recommended it to him had the same side effects and said the second one kind of wiped him out for a day. So 80s kind of preparing for that, but he seems to be doing all right. Kathy Lester got a first dose on Monday of last week, so she gets hers on the, the her second dose will be the eighth, eighth or ninth of March that Monday. She didn't even know she took it. She's like, she was fine. She goes, they, they jabbed me. Then she wouldn't have told. Cheryl was able to sign her up and get her on the list. So be in prayer for Kathy. That would, I mean, that would be, she's 92, 93 years old. She's somewhere in that ballpark. So if, if anybody's going to have a hard time with a reaction, it would be Kathy. But conversely, if anybody would have a hard time with COVID, it would be Kathy, who gets pneumonia every winter, who hasn't gotten pneumonia this winter. So this is the first winter she hasn't gotten pneumonia as long as I've known her, at least. So just be in prayer for those two as they kind of get their second doses in the next couple weeks, give you a little heads up. Sam and Shelby were told by their doctor not to get the vaccine because they had COVID, and the doctor was afraid of what the reactions might be like. So just be in prayer for some different folks and things going on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're saving a small forest for tax documents, so if you need one, let Elena know. We'll be glad to print you one out, but we didn't see the point in printing one out for everybody when most of you guys don't need one or want one. The, the standard deduction is so ridiculously high now <laughs> that it almost doesn't help you. So, But if you need one, let Elena know. We'll be glad to get it for you. Um, so lunch, updates, tax, anything else I'm forgetting? Okay. Who was the father of Joshua? I already told them they could sit down. You're ahead. 
I said lunch. Oh, she was telling you. No, she's telling you because you weren't in here. <laughs> she was telling you because you didn't hear me tell them. <laughs> Can't take you people anywhere. In Daryl's defense, he's on no sleep and grief right now. So that's, I'm telling you. There is nothing that'll mess with your brain more than not sleeping and, and trying to plan stuff when you don't want to do it. So, understood. Who was the father of Joshua? None. No, no, he had one. It was, <laughs> it's like a bad who's on first reference, right? Now, you know that because growing up, how many of you growing up were like, why was Joshua Catholic? Was I the only person? Because he's Joshua's son. I'm the only one who thought that. Joshua, son of Nun. I'm like, how did a nun have a kid in the Old Testament? I'm the only one. I'm telling you. All right, mark that again. Thoughts that keep me out of the really good schools. There you go. Just mark. There's another mark right there. I'm so disappointed that nobody else ever thought that. Now, but you knew that one because every time you read Joshua or you read in Deuteronomy about him, it was what? It was never Joshua. It was Joshua, son of Nun. Now, why does that matter? Why, why do that? Remember, your Bible doesn't throw things in there just for the fun of it. You don't continually read about Moses, son of it. But it, for Joshua, it was important. How many of the generation that walked across the Red Sea, how many of them walked into the Promised Land? Have some fun trivia. No. Two. Two faithful spies. Who knows their names? Joshua and Caleb. If you want fun story, read Caleb's history in the book of Joshua. That is just a dude right there. I mean, 85 years old. He's like, I'm going to go take over the territory promised to my family now. <laughs> like, I, I'm just going to go whoop up some Philistines. I'll see you guys later. I, but the other one is Joshua. And this becomes important because faithful families are a blessing. What's the reminder for Moses? If you read Deuteronomy, go home and read Deuteronomy. It'll do you good. You'll read the, the constant refrain in multiple places. Moses is like, do this. This is what God has commanded you. Do this. Teach it to your children. Teach it to your families. Do this. Don't do this. And throughout the book, he's constantly, I've set before you choices. I've given you these things. And the punchline at the end is choose life. What does that look like? That looks like faithful families handing down the gospel, faithful families making disciples like Joshua Son of Nun. Where did Joshua learn all this? From Nun. Now, what do we know about him? That he had a really good kid, apparently. And you know what? That's awesome in the kingdom. There are so many people throughout, throughout history, human history and church history, that lived, died, did faithful work that you're going to look at in heaven one day and be like, who's the dude with all the crowns on his head? I don't know. That was just somebody leading their family, making disciples, testifying to the kingdom, doing the faithful work. Unknown to us, but known to who? God. And that's what matters. A faithful life, served, living, doing all of the things day in and day out, without fanfare, without celebration, just because they are loving and following after God. And you see some of the fruit of it when you see a guy like Joshua, that an entire nation is like, yeah, no, no, we're good with the promised land. He's like, what is wrong with you people? That's faithful living and working out. All right. Don't say it out loud. Who judges those who are outside of the church? Don't. Reason for the question. There's some stuff you want to read. It's important, and it connects you to the things that are not just in that book, 
but in other books. Have some fun. Do some Bible research. <laughs> It'll do you good. Do you right? Good. There you go. All right. Anything else I'm forgetting one last time? So you've been given the updates. We're having lunch next Sunday. Bring a dish. Um, business meeting today. Thank you. There's a business meeting today after the church. I promise it won't be long, but we have a handful of things that we have to do. Like I said, it won't take long, but you actually have to vote on two things. So stick around. They're important. All right? Yeah, make sure you give, we'll let Vern, like, yay over the phone or something. If you ever find out what happened to him, he's becoming a slacker. I'm going to have to tell him I'm going to start cutting his rent check every time he misses. <laughs> All right, if that's the case, I am going to stop rambling so we can continue on with our service. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound in time shall be no more And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair When the saved of earth is gathered over on the other shore And the roll is called up yonder I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called up yonder Roll is called up yonder I'll be there On that bright and cloudless morning When the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there.
check one, two. This song is about the church. She's a big old ship. She's sitting mighty low in the water. Till she's been on her maiden voyage. Ever since the day the blood of Calvary bought her. She's weathered violent storms. Some passengers jumped overboard and drowned. But she's not just some Titanic. She's a church, and she ain't going down. Sail on, worship of Zion, be that faith and pray that night. Sail on, worship of Zion, do you see the beacon light? Oh, Lord. 
We were trying to make it harder on Terry, too. We had turned the volume up on the channel that it's normally run through, and it's not working. It's the wrong channel. <laughs> Music was on the other channel. Ah, such fun. We, one of these days, we're going to get everything on an entire Sunday, from lights and heat and microphones to all work. And even Vern will be here to see it. And, and every time I tell myself we're going to get all that happen, I'm like, nah. What would be the fun of that, right? <laughs> if we did that one time, you guys would expect it every week, and then you'd be spoiled, and that wouldn't do anybody any good. So, all right, we are going to have to do something about assigned seating or something, though. we got to get a couple people to start moving over here, because it's like, I feel like there's this void in the seating, right? <laughs> that or apparently my right foot really smells, so nobody wants to be over there. So, <laughs> All right, something useful. <coughs> Hey, hey, look at that. Oh, look at that. Stupid thing on my hip is muted. See? <laughs> I give up. All right, let's just turn around. All right, start again. Dun, da, da, da. <sighs> yeah, it's not shorted. I just have to remember to actually not have it muted. Uh, I don't know what's better or worse, the fact that I can be that loud that you guys are like, oh, the microphone's working great today. Stop yelling at me. I can't hear anything. So there you it's amazing how that works, right? Put some power to something and suddenly it starts working. Now, if you are Israel living in the midst of this, you have been redeemed, you have witnessed the judgment of God. Now what should you do? That is chapter 15 of the book of Exodus, at least the first half of it. So that's what we're going to cover. Exodus 15 verses 1 through 21. The, then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea, and the choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep covers them. 
They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified amongst them. I will draw out my sword, my hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of, of Blistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab, trembling, grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone. Until your people pass over, O Lord. Until the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and his rider he has hurled into the sea. <sighs> Believe it or not, there's stuff in there we shouldn't skip, which is why we're not skipping it. So rewind back to the beginning. We're going to set our stage, make sense of this, and then try to see if we can apply some of this song of praise, because believe it or not, it is very, very applicable to us today. So Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord. All right. When in doubt, do what? <laughs> not just sing, but praise. When in doubt, praise God. Happy, sad, regardless of what is going on around you. Why? Romans 2.4. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? Do you not know that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? See, one of the lost lessons of Christian living in the modern world is a reason for why we're doing what we're doing and how we got here. If we have repented of sin and trust in the provision of Christ for that sin, we are redeemed. Why have we done this? Because we saw the wrath of God abiding upon our sin. We saw the fate of those who die in the wrath of God. We saw the provision of God on behalf of that, and we recognize that he has smiled upon us. We have seen that he is good that he loves, that he cares, that he is merciful. Therefore, we did not run from him, we ran to him. We ran towards the judge who will bring about his wrath against sin. Why? Because in Christ, that wrath has been removed. We have seen the kindness and mercy and love of God. Therefore, we are secure. Now, if we know all of that, why do we live in this world as if we've had our butts kicked and we've lost every fight? And I'm asking that seriously, because how often do Christians live in the world like that? We're Eeyore. I don't know. 
God'll figure it out, I hope. I don't know. He's already won. He's already victorious. He has already placed you in his kingdom, guaranteed your spot, and is working in and amongst you so that you will be carried to the day of completion. That's good news. Now, this is not a smile or else, but it's a reminder of how we think about our world is directly related to what we think is going on in it. If we think what is going on in it is just depravity and destruction all the time, how will we live? But if we remember that in the midst of the depravity of this world, we have been redeemed and that God then calls us to proclaim the mercies of his kingdom, I now have something that I'm looking forward to. I now have reason to praise. What has Israel just been shown? They've just been shown with the power of God and his wrath on those who will be destroyed. Where are they standing? They're not in the midst of the sea that has come back. They're where? on the other side. Therefore, they do what? They sing a song to the Lord. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. When in doubt, praise God. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, just as he promised. Exodus 14, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. The Egyptians and Pharaoh at the bottom of the Red Sea going, Oh God, we messed up, you're God, and now we know that. Who is? His people. His praising, worshiping people. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. If there's a place here in this kickoff where you're going to have some questions, it should be right there. Because what are we doing? We're praising. Go, God, you really killed him. <laughs> it sounds weird, doesn't it? Like, do we, we don't do this in modern music, do we? We don't sing songs like this. Amazing grace that killed those guys. We don't sing like that. Why not? I, I'm asking seriously, though. There is a ditch on both sides here. And this is one of the things we we talked about this. Hang on, we talked about this a little bit this morning. Many of you have grown up or have been a part of that church at some point in your life where it's like every single Sunday when you showed up, you're going to hell and everybody else is going to hell and there's going to be fire and brimstone and death and destruction. I mean, you know, you're Yosemite Sam and smog with this, you know, with the helmet and the whole bit. You, you've been to that church and it's like after a while you're doing what? I just need somebody to give me a hug, okay? I just, like, just one. Just someone love me. See, that's a ditch on one side where we are so consumed with the wrath of God. We are so consumed with him pouring it out against sin that that's all we deal with. And it's judgment and it's hellfire and it's brimstone and you're going to hell unless you come to the altar at the, the fourth verse that we sang 17 times of just as I am and nothing good will ever happen to you. But you're laughing. You've been in that church. <laughs> Terry's like, I I've been to that service. Were you there? I mean, I, I told this story this week. I made a joke. I was, I was in a choir at a revival service in a choir robe in North Carolina in August. <sighs> I was losing weight by the minute. And we were on our eighth sing-through of all six verses of Just As I Am. I don't ever want to sing that song ever again. It was to the point that if one more person got out of a pew to come forward at that altar call, I was going to throw a hymnal at them. 
It's like, don't, don't sit down. I know you. I know your family. I will come to your house and talk to you about it on Tuesday. Stop it. <laughs> we don't want to be that way because it's broken. That's one ditch. Now, the problem we've had in this country especially is we have whiplashed out of that ditch. You know what ditch we've crashed into? Jesus loves you. And it's love, and it's love, and it's love, and it's grace, and there's, and there's nothing bad that ever happens to anybody, and I love you. It's, it's, a, it's Barney Church. I love you. Do I have to pay royalties now because we just sang that? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I told you there was no Scarlett O'Hara. I didn't tell you there wouldn't be bad children's songs. Okay. Now, what's the warning, though? If all we talk about is grace, 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 love, 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 forgiveness, 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 what have we left out? In order to actually give you some love, there has to be, one, a reason, or two, an importance. There's got to be a balance. That's driving down the middle of the road. There is a wrath of God that abides upon sin. But in Christ, there is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. In the world, there is judgment. There is condemnation. There is evil. In the people of God, persevering towards his kingdom, there is love, there is fellowship, there is community and communion as we work and walk together. You need to know both sides of that road in order to know where to drive. That is why that little verse is so important. We are singing to the greatness of God. Why? Because he threw him into the sea and killed him. Amen. Because that's the judgment, and we can see that because we are what? We are redeemed. We stand on the other side. And this is a biblical concept all the way through. Fast forward to the end of the book, Revelation chapter 6. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. So these are the martyrs dealing with the world. And because of the testimony which they had maintained, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? We have seen your grace. We have seen your mercy. Those people are not interested. What do they need? How long, Lord, before you will bring about the righteous judgment? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. See, if you desire holiness in this world, if you desire godly living and you are persevering in his kingdom, there should be a balance to this. Should you root for their destruction? No. No, why not? Because we are on this side of the veil. We recognize our sin, the kindness of God that has redeemed us. We see them not as worse than us, but just as those who have not gotten to where we are. I see you and I see what your problem is because you know what my problem was? The same thing and the same cure that was good for me is good for you. So I proclaim, I warn, I hope. But you know what? There's going to come a point where I will stand before God, sanctified, holy, and righteous, and I will look upon the sin of this place. And you know what I'll say then? Burn. Because when the stain is removed, when the veil is lifted, and when I behold a pure and holy God, the question really becomes from the human being what? How do you put up with that? <laughs> and how long will you put up with that? How long will you put up with your people suffering? How long will you put up with your people being 
martyred? How long will you put up with your people being persecuted? How long will you put up with your people being downtrodden and hurt and damaged in such ways? How long, oh Lord? And the answer is, I'm redeeming those people. And all those that are dying, all those that are persecuting, all, all those that are being persecuted, all those that are being cast down, they are my people and I will lift them up and I will preserve them. And in their work, some of those who are persecuting, some of those who are fighting, some of those who are killing, I will redeem them as well. And when the end comes, it will come. And you know what the people of God will do then? Praise. They'll praise and rejoice. Why? Because justice will be done, mercy will have been shown, and righteousness will have been carried out on both sides. Remember, this is one of the reasons why we're here. This is the work that we do. Israel was not brought through the Red Sea so they could stand in the desert and go, ha ha, God killed you. They were brought through so they can do what? Testify to the greatness and the goodness of God. The greatness, the things that he has done, the way that he has delivered us, and the goodness, the things that he has done in the way that he has delivered us. The power and the grace, the might and the majesty, all of these things are shown not just in his creation, not just in his works, but in his people. Christian, this is where you stand. This is who you are day in and day out, proclaiming him, because what does abide on those lost in their sin? Wrath, judgment. What stands between them and that judgment? The mercy of God revealed in Christ, proclaimed by who? Proclaimed by us. Proclaimed by us. We have to understand who we are, where we are, and why we praise. Why do we sing? Because it's a reminder of who God is and what he has done. It's also an encouragement to go out into the world and proclaim what? Who God is and what he has done. So we will see that. Let's keep moving. Verse 2. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Now, um, oh, verse 3. This is one of the lessons for your NASB. Um, I think the NIV does this also, though I didn't check. See the capitalized Lord? Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. This is the, the great I am. This is the name of God. Every time you see that capitalized Lord, just know that we have followed a terrible tradition in our English translations. The uh, Jews, because they, in order to ensure their keeping of the commandment against taking the name of God in vain, they came up with an idea that we just won't ever say it. Can't take it in name if I never say it. So they substituted the vowels in God's name with the vowels for the word Lord, which is Adonai. So whenever you would get to God's name, you would stop and say Adonai instead. And for some reason, I will never understand, Christians have followed this tradition. So every time the name of God is in the Old Testament, we translate it as Lord. It's frustrating. I don't know why we do it, but we do. So Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. This is important because this is a distinction. This isn't just praying to some God who is in heaven that, you know, we might figure it out. Maybe he's in charge of the harvest. Maybe he's in charge of the Nile. Maybe he's in charge of us. Maybe he's in charge of racing. No, he's personal. He has a name. He has a people. He has a kingdom. And he is building and he is defending and he is functioning and he is working and all of those things. And we can know him because he has made himself known to us. That is what, that is what we lose when we lose that translation. But I got to hop off my soapbox. So hang on. Hop down and go back. Now, that warrior, that redeemer, 
becoming salvation. This is why I praise him, because this is the God who has promised to Abraham. This is the God who has faithfully followed his people. If you're Israel, he has faithfully followed my family, and now he is not just their God, he is also my God, because where do I stand? I stand on the other side of the Red Sea. This is one of the lessons of redemption. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Do you notice the order of those things? Why do Christians live and stand in this world differently? Because we have a hope. Why do we have a hope? Because we have a salvation. If you want to see a difference, I have had the great misfortune of this on numerous occasions. There's a difference between a funeral with believing Christians and a funeral with unbelieving pagans. And you can feel it. You can feel it. There is a loss. There is a hopelessness in the world when someone dies. Because for all our talk, for all our explanations, for all our medicine and all our science, for all these things, the brokenness of sin just throws itself headfirst at people. And you know what they do? I don't, because they don't either, because they don't know what to do. Some of them tell jokes, some of them cry, some of them mourn, some of them laugh, some of them hide. <laughs> Go to a believing funeral with believing family of a believing person. It doesn't feel like a loss, does it? It's a party. And, you, and, and again, the world looks at us and says, what? How do you people do this? What is wrong with you people? The answer is nothing. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake, therefore, I do not fear. Because what will I lose if this place is gone? And the answer is nothing. I have Christ. I stand on the other side of the sea. I have been redeemed. I know who my Savior is. I know who my people are, and I live accordingly. And I do not worry, even though I just saw that judgment. I do not fear because God has not applied it to me because he has redeemed me. This is Psalm, 21, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains, for where shall my help come? I'm sorry, from where? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. Now, here's the good news. That security is based on what? Or better yet, it's based on who? It's based on Christ. It's based on God. Does he just wake up like in a bipolar mood one day? And the answer to that is No. He does not change. He does not shift. He does not augment himself or his work. Therefore, if what I am describing for Israel as the redeemed people of God is true, then if we take that and move it forward, and can we apply it to the redeemed people of God today? And the answer is, yes, Colossians chapter 2. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. This is redemption, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. 
He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made the public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. To him there is Christ. God has redeemed. God has conquered. If God has gone to the trouble of conquering the enemies, then what am I fighting? (laughs) Better yet, who am I fighting? And the answer is, no one. There's no one to fight. So My biggest enemy is who most of the time? (laughs) I don't have to war against the world. Now, this is important. Christian, how often, guilty, guilty, do we think and proclaim an adversarial stance to the world? Quite a bit. Why? If God is the warrior, God is the fighter, and God has conquered, who am I fighting? (laughs) They've lost. I just read it. The only thing the people at the altar are wondering about is not if God's going to win, it's when. When are you going to do this? We know you're going to. When are you going to do that? We know judgment is coming for sin. We just don't know when. We would like it to be sooner than later most days, but (laughs) Jonathan's like, I've got things to do. Can we speed this up? i got places. Come on, let's get Why do we set us up as an us versus a them? The answer is because we have forgotten where we stand and why we stand there. I'm not warring against them. I'm warring against me most of the time. I'm seeking to win them with the message of Christ. They're not the enemy. Sin is the enemy. And in Christ, guess what sin is? It's already had its butt kicked. If we would but repent and trust. This changes how I think, how I live, how I view. This is one of the protections on those ditches. How do I make sure I don't fall into the ditch of just proclaiming hellfire and brimstone all the time? By remembering that there is a love and a mercy from God for his people. How do I avoid the ditch that just proclaims the love and the mercy of God and never mentions sin and judgment? By remembering that there are people out there that are under sin and facing judgment, therefore I do what? I understand the victory that Christ has accomplished and I proclaim both sides rightly because of who he is. 1 Corinthians 15. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdoms to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be abolished is death. See, what's the reminder? Who wins when they go up against God in battle? Nobody. How do I know that? The horse and his rider he has cast into the sea. The sinful cities he has burned with fire. The sinful people that rejected him he has cast under the flood. All of these things are reminders that God is the conquering king, and he will accomplish this. Therefore, you know who doesn't have to do it? Me, I don't have to. God already has. I can proclaim his excellencies and his mercies because the judgment abides and you know it. I just have to remind you, hey, judgment, sin, you know, death, destruction, flood, fire, the whole nine yards, yeah, all of that there. But, but there is a God. This is why we stand, right? Thanks be to God that you were washed. All of these things. Now, how again does Israel know this? Verses four and five. 
chariots and his army he cast into the sea. The choicest of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. God proved it. How did he prove it? Vividly, right in front of them. So the praise continues. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. Again, as promised and delivered, which is important. And I'm going to keep pointing that out because God doesn't just show up and be like, Hey, let's judge some Egyptians. Sounds like a good time. What do you say? We'll have a barbecue. We'll throw some water on them. It'll be a good time. No. It's a promise given to Moses. Promise delivered to the people by Moses. Reiterated over and over again. Promised all through the plagues that God is working. Go all the way back to the call in Exodus 3. I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. This is a lesson that the prophets of Israel applied later on, not just to the nations around Israel, but to Israel itself. Isaiah chapter 14. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, just as I have intended, so it has happened. Just as I have planned, so it will stand. To break Assyria in my land, and I will trample him on my mountains. His yoke will be removed from them, and his burden removed from their shoulder. This is the plan devised against the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out against the nations. For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And, he, and as, far, as for his outstretched hand, who can turn it back? See, when God goes to battle, who wins? God does. Does it matter if it's Assyria? Does it matter if it's the Egyptians? Babylonians? Israelites? Romans? God goes to battle. God wins. His power is unassailable. This is the lesson from Psalm 2. A uh, great messianic psalm talking about the sun coming. Not like the sun in the sky, but S-O-N, sun. What's happening? The kings of the earth, they're making their stand. They're going to cast off the rule of God. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. It's like, it's like when your kids used to run up to you when they're like this big and be like, I'm going to fight. <laughs> oh no, don't beat me. Don't hurt me. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Why do you have to play along? Because can they really hurt you? No, I got I got the best laugh yesterday. I, I got Connor to watch a movie that I enjoyed when I was a kid. Remember, do you remember the Mighty Ducks about the, the youth hockey team? What I got, if you've never seen the movie, you, you haven't missed a whole lot, but it, it's an enjoyable time. What's funny is it's a youth hockey team, and I, I was laughing at all the times when they tried to look mean. Because like 9, 10, 11-year-old kids trying to look mean, I'm like, oh, it's almost cute. Because they can't look mean, because I can't take them seriously because they're kids. Like, now when I was their age, did they look mean? Yes. Did I think I could look mean? Yes. I look now and it's like, aw, congratulations. That's how you look to God. So when the rival sinner shakes his fist at God in all his anger, God's like, look, it's so cute. Stop it. <laughs> because when God goes to battle, he wins. This is the lesson Nebuchadnezzar learned. Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel 4, look at all the things that I've accomplished. And just like that, what was he? He's out of his mind, couldn't do anything. And what was the end? You are ruler. You are king. You function. I am nothing. And this is still true, which is why we are called to walk the way that we are called to walk. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
those that have recognized their bankruptcy before God, have stopped their fighting and have surrendered to him totally. And now they do what? They inherit the kingdom and they proclaim what? The excellencies of that kingdom and the excellencies of the king who rules that kingdom. How do I know this is going to be true? That's why the praise continues. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters were piled up. The flowing waters stood up like a heap. The deeps were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be gratified against them, and I will draw out with my sword, and my hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. In other words, all those grand proclamations of battle, we're going to ride, and we're going to fight, and we're going to win. And God went. <laughs> and what happened? And that was it. And that was it. Verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Great question, but you know what? It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Micah, chapter 7. Who is like you? who pardons iniquity, passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our, he will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and unchanging love to Abraham, which you swore to your forefathers from the days of old. Two ditches, right? Who is this God that does all these mighty things? The prophets later. Who is this God that overlooks sin? Isn't that us, Christian? Isn't that right in the middle of the road? Who is this God that judges and performs all these things, and yet he forgives me? We have, a, we have an old saying in sports that some of you may have heard before. Most of you maybe have not. Looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jonathan's like, ah, I got it. No. What does that mean? Well, what does Tarzan what does Tarzan look like? Yeah. Now, put Jane on the offensive line and what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing more frustrating than seeing a kid on a sports field who has every physical gift and no mental capacity to put any energy behind it. He looks like Tarzan, but he plays like Jane. See, the reason I bring that up is you ever thought that about God on occasion? All this power, all this might, and all this depravity. All that righteousness, all that holiness, and all this sin. That's why I say it was an incomplete question if we're going to make sure we have a full picture of God. This is a perfectly complete question for this praise because this is what they're celebrating. Who are you that can do all this? But that's not all of who God is, and that's what Israel needs to recognize standing on that side of the Red Sea. Christian, that's what we need to recognize. Who is this God who judges sin, who can bring about the flood, who can rain down fire, who can cast out his enemies, and yet, he didn't do it to me. And he didn't do it to you. And if you, all who come to him, he will not do it to them either. Who is that? See, that's a full picture, and that's a reminder and a thing that we have to carry with us each and every day. We're not walking into the kingdom, you know. Staying alive, staying alive. No. We are being brought into the kingdom. We don't walk because of our greatness. We walk because of his greatness. Never 
forget that. Because the second you forget that, it becomes an us versus them. I don't need to fight them. They're already fighting God. And what do I already know about how that's going to end? Not well. Not well at all. I can proclaim his excellencies, proclaim his greatness, and I can work in this world to bring about a good result for his kingdom and for his kingdom's people that he is growing and working through. All of that is still true today. That's again why, if you go back to Jesus and the Beatitudes, blessed are the gentle. The old King James would be the, uh, the meek, for they inherit the earth. Why should they be gentle? Why should they be meek? Because they don't have to be anything else. This is why faithful, Bible-believing Christianity throughout the years has not been a religion of the sword. And the one time we went astray, <laughs> I can't say the one time, but the most historically known time we went astray, you're still apologizing for it, right? Talk about, oh yeah, well, what, what are we going to do about all the persecution against Christians? Yeah, well, there were crusades, okay? A thousand years ago, some people who didn't know what they were doing decided it would be a good idea to invade her. First of all, it's way more complicated than that. Second of all, really, that's all we got. No. You know what the response is, Christian? I don't care. You lose. God wins. Why? Because he's God and you're not. I don't have to war. I don't have to fight. I can demonstrate love to brother and love even to angry, fist-shaking sinner. Why? Because what do they need to hear? And how will they hear it? This is why what we read last week, 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. What's our attitude towards our fellow believer? What's our attitude towards this world? What's our attitude towards the unbeliever? If it is wrong and it is broken, it is because we have forgotten who we are and how we got there. Praise continues. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them into your holy habitation. See, they continue. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, everybody, everybody stares. Gotta have a sense of... Nobody forgets their phone on a Sunday morning more than me. I just, nobody, everybody I know is here, so nobody's calling me. <laughs> I'm always, see, I'm, I'm one of those people that I have a ringtone for everything and everybody. So I'm always astounded when people like have the default ringer on their phone. I'm like, that's like the first thing I do on the phone is like, I want my ringtones. I, I changed a messaging app on my phone because it wouldn't let me have special ringtones. Like, no, no, I need to know before I look at it who the message is. I don't know why, but I need to know. Anyway. But that's unrelated to anything useful. Instead, God is, we've skipped ahead. 13, we're on 13. The computer's stuck. I'm like, that's not where we are. We're, we're going to be there shortly, but we're not there yet. <laughs> God is leading his people. This is what he does, right? What's the kickoff? Again, if you're going to read one Bible verse from the funeral home, what are you going to read? The so funeral homes in this country only know one Bible chapter. What is it? So they know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. I'm sorry, he leads me in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. God is a shepherd. Hmm, I wonder if there's anywhere in the New Testament, like anywhere at all, where Jesus, who is God in human flesh, would use such an example to describe his actions towards his people. Hmm, 
Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Not a thing has changed. God leads his people. (laughs) We lost something. Which is again why we can confidently agree with the letters of the New Testament. Philippians 1. I am confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will do what? Perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Why do we continue to walk? Remember, we don't, we're not the BGs, you know. Luckily, my pants aren't that tight, so that, that would be awkward. But we walk because of what? We walk because the Holy Spirit is carrying us along. The Holy Spirit is spurring us to action. Not our greatness, his greatness. And that's why Jesus also said, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them has perished, except for one which is the son of perdition. Why? So that the scripture would be fulfilled. In other words, all that walked with Christ, all that the father had given to him, who did he raise up? All of them. How many did he lose? None of them. All right, now we get ahead. So three verses, rapid fire. The peoples have heard, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. The chiefs of the Edom of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they are motionless as stone until your people pass over. O Lord, until the people pass over whom you have purchased. Why do they fear? Because they've seen the judgment. And more than the judgment, they've seen what? That in the midst of that judgment, God has redeemed a people. What are they afraid of? That judgment. They're afraid of who? They're afraid of God. This is good news, because what is that the beginning of? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, understanding who God is is the beginning of everything. You want a good example of this? Rahab, Joshua 2. Before they laid down, this is the spies in the city, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For you have, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. We have heard it, and our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. What separated Rahab from all of those who were living in fear? Why is it that when Jericho is destroyed, how many people get redeemed out of that city? One family, Rahab's family. She told you what the difference was. We've heard about the Red Sea and we're terrified. We heard what you did to Sihon and Og and we're melting away. But what was the difference? For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. See, it's one thing to be afraid. It's another thing to be afraid and still praise. Why can she praise God as the God? Because she recognizes that, hey, he judged them, but what did he do for you? And if he can redeem you, there you go. And she is redeemed. And she's in the line of the Messiah. She's in the family line of Christ. Just process that. Anytime you think your family is messed up, just remember Jesus is looking at you going, really? You want to hear a good story? I got prostitutes. I got people sleeping with their sisters. I was like, let's, let's compare families. You lose. Even Ginger loses. 
<laughs> Even Ginger loses. Yeah, Ginger might be a close second, but she's still coming in second. That's what you don't know what my family's been through, and Jesus sits in heaven like, please, come here. Let's just sit down and let me tell you about my people. Because it's not just them. You know who else it is? It's us. We're his people. He looked at us and went, mine. Those are my people. Let's be honest. Would you have looked at you and been like, ooh, I want that one? <laughs> Most of us are like, yeah. No, I, I know what goes on in here. So, yeah, I'm good. Well, Jesus did. That's cause for rejoicing. That's cause for praise and celebration because the wrath of God that was due has been taken away, not because of anything good that was found in me, but because of the grace, mercy, and joy and love found that it, that is found within Christ. And that is the difference. And none of it has changed, and that's why we keep working. Titus chapter 2. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. That's what's happened. That's what we proclaim, because that's who we are. I don't have to hate. I don't have to war. I don't have to worry, because I have what? Redemption. I stand redeemed in Christ. Therefore, I stand unafraid, unbothered. Though the mountains quake, the earth falls apart, no matter what happens, I stand. You're not my enemy. You're God's enemy. And that's much worse than being my enemy, please. <laughs> that's way worse. But in my message and in the proclamation of God's kingdom, there is a means by which you can be not God's enemy. And that is what they need, and that is what they should hear. And that is what we should be about, not just as we proclaim to them, but as we proclaim to us. Because how do I walk simply? How do I live for sanctification? How do I make sure that I am grounded and walking in holiness? By remembering who I am and how I got there. Again, I'll do it again one more time. Not because of my greatness, but because of his not because of my goodness, because of his, not because of anything good that dwells in me, because of the grace, mercy, and love that dwells in Christ. So the praise finishes up. You will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. That's the hope, right? That's what we get at the ends of the book. What does John see? New heavens, new earth, the city coming down. Who dwells in the city? God does. That's what we want. God reigning. Where do we want God reigning? Right there. I don't want him off someplace else. That's what was lost in the garden. Wait a minute. What did Adam and Eve have? They were the last people this side of heaven to have what? That fellowship with God. Even Moses, who sees God, doesn't get to see all of him. He sees part, and his face glows like some nuclear radiation. And he proclaims the holiness, and even Moses falls away and doesn't get to see the land. But what do you get at the end? Sin, gone. Destruction, gone. Death, gone. All of these things taken out of the way, and what replaces them? God, his mercy, his reign, his rule, his very presence, the longing of humanity since the garden restored. Why? Because of his work, his mercy, and his grace. And again, how do I know? 
For the house, for the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, and the Lord brought back the waters of the sea on them. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea. See, that's the proof. It was given to Adam and Eve. In the day you eat of it, you will surely die. You know what, you know what they should have said? We didn't die. <laughs> Instead, the animal covers their sin. Noah, family, preserved in a flood. Again, I love answers in Genesis because they put the work in and de demonstrate. That's why they built that giant ark out in Kentucky. But let's just be honest. If you drive down the interstate, and I've seen, I have not been, but I've seen it from the interstate, would you, if I told you the entirety of the planet was going to be flooded, there were going to be volcanoes and earthquakes, is that the boat you want to get in? <laughs> the one that you built. How many of you are craftsmen? <laughs> You're like, yes, I will build a boat to, to survive Armageddon, and I trust the work of my hands. My wife would be walking around going, that's leaking. That's leaking. Did you put that nail in all the way? <laughs> it shouldn't have worked. Why does it work? Because of God. Grace given to Abraham, patience shown to Jacob, provision given through Joseph, protection for David, all of these things throughout the Old Testament, proving what? That he will deliver his people, that he will redeem his people, that he will persevere and preserve his people. And that's why they finished. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dancing. And Miriam answered, answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and the rider he has hurled into the sea. Because what's it a reminder of? He judged them, but he what? Redeemed us. So you get back to where we started. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. When in doubt, praise. Why? Because he will judge sin and he will conquer, but because he will also redeem. And because of him, we stand. And because of him, we are secure. And because of him, we have a proclamation that we can give. And none of it will fall or fail because all of it comes from him. Christian, be grounded in who you are, which means knowing why you stand there. What you have been redeemed from and what the proclamation as you walk forward is. I mean, people talk about this all the time when they have, you know, life-threatening experiences, you know, they survive a car wreck or like, the, you know, you'll see construction workers that fall off a five, five, fifth floor and they survive and they're like, my life is totally different now. Why? Because what did they realize? I was this close and now I'm, <laughs> like, I'm still breathing. Christian, that's what's happened to you. Is you were staring at the abyss, and now because of the work of Christ, you do not. Therefore, we should walk differently, and we should want to walk differently. And you know what? I'm convinced that we do, that we want to, and that we should desire to. How do I make sure that I do? By knowing why I'm here. I'm here by the work of God, redeemed by his hand for the work of his kingdom, and all of that is of him. So therefore, when I proclaim, I'm not proclaiming me, I'm proclaiming him. When I warn, I'm not warning for my sake, I'm warning for yours. And the salvation that I declare is a salvation from Christ. And the love that I show is a love that is spurred by the Holy Spirit. And the mercy that I show is a mercy that demonstrates the work that God is doing in and through me. I don't have to war because God's already won. And I don't have to fear because God has already conquered. And I can stand because I am his. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity as your people to gather that we can proclaim your greatness. 
that we stand because of who you are and all that you have done. Lord, remind us each and every day. Strengthen us to remember your great work, to walk in a manner worthy with the calling that you have provided, that we would be your people, called by your name, living and serving what is to be your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have life in my soul for which long I have sought. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering, going astray, since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, the floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure. Since Jesus came into my heart. And the dark clouds of doubt, now my pathway is sure, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart. A floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Bloods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. All right, again, just a couple reminders. Business meeting, don't go anywhere. You have to vote on two things. I need you to stick around. Um,
that. And remember lunch next week. And again, just remember prayer requests on some folks. We get, oh, I didn't mention earlier that you're actually like moving and stuff. So the injections that we were praying for seem to be doing okay. So keep praying for that. And also remember Clark's family. His cousin passed away but Friday. My days run together. So remember Clark's family as well. And again, all of our folks that are trying to get in and around in this cold, hopefully it warms up and we can start getting in and out better. Let's pray. Again, Lord, as we leave, we ask that you would ground us, that you would guard us, that you would protect us and sanctify us, that we would walk faithfully towards your kingdom, proclaiming your greatness and your mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.